Two weeks ago, eight advocates and eight bishops released a proposal that calls for a, quote, amicable separation of the United Methodist Church. The proposal prompted a special session at the church's legislative session last February. The special session, which addressed full inclusion of the LGBTQ community, was left unresolved. Lisa Schubert Noling is the lead pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Bloomington. She said the United Methodist Church has been split before. This most recent argument is over the full inclusion of people who identify as LGBTQIA+. And the, the heart of the debate is over um, clergy performing same-sex weddings and over clergy who identify as homosexual being ordained. And we have been formally fighting since 1972 when we put um, a phrase in our book of discipline that homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. The religious body that makes legislative decisions within the United Methodist Church is called General Conference. In 2016, General Conference put a hold on the two main theological divisions between Methodists who allow inclusion for same-sex couples and Methodists who do not support a full inclusion of the LGBTQIA community. And then in February of 2019, we attempted to find a way forward together. And that was, in my mind, not possible. What ended up passing in February of 2019 was the traditional plan, which was even more punitive than our stance had been and made um, heightened the penalties for clergy who were LGBTQIA plus and or who did um, same-sex weddings. Mm -hmm. And so right now there's a movement both to resist the traditional plan that I've been involved with, but then also um, many folks throughout the denomination have been putting forward proposals for separation that would allow us to separate into two, maybe even three, one proposal is even four different bodies with different theological leanings that would then allow each other, hopefully amicably, to bless each other and to be able to continue to reach the specific mission fields and the specific people we have been called as individual groups to reach. She said the controversy within the United Methodist Church boils down to how one interprets scripture. Noling's interpretation of scripture is that the Methodist Church needs to be a place of welcome. The debate is really deep because it goes beyond uh, this debate we have right now over homosexuality and also looks at the root of how we interpret scripture. And uh, it also is at the core, in my mind, of hospitality and how we welcome people. And what has happened is that in 2016, we called time out essentially on all the fighting and put together a commission on the way forward to try to develop different proposals to move us forward. The rift between church hierarchy came after a proposal called the Protocol of Reconciliation and Grace through Separation was released at a General Assembly meeting. The proposal said, quote, Whereas, the United Methodist Church, at its February 2019 special session of the General Conference in St. Louis, did not resolve their differences specifically related to the full participation of the LGBTQ persons in the life of the church. 
end quote. The protocol was different from what had happened in the past because Mm -hmm. it was, first of all, led by a bishop who was from outside of the United States. And he brought together a larger group of people this past summer to say, how can we split gracefully? Mm -hmm. Um, Some of our uh, sibling denominations, when they were uh, fighting over inclusion of people who are LGBTQIA+, their separations involve multi-million dollar lawsuits. And so we're trying to figure out a way to separate um, gracefully and lovingly that will avoid those lawsuits. And so this protocol, as I said, was different because it was started by a bishop from outside the U.S. He brought together 16 people who have leadership from very different constituencies in our denomination, Mm -hmm. some progressive, some centrist, and some conservative, and brought them around the table with a professional mediator um, named Kenneth Feinberg, who is um, an expert attorney who has done all sorts of negotiations and is renowned around the world for the, the, the tough work that he does at bringing people to the mediation table and making um, them wrestle together with uh, an outcome where they can get to yes. And so the protocol is a result of these 16 people from different places getting to yes and is a plan for separation that would allow the more conservative uh, part of our denomination to leave with $25 million toward their new ministry and no claims to future assets. When asked why other Methodists are not accepting of the LGBTQ community, Nolley said it's simply a misinterpretation of scripture. She said the United Methodist Church evolved on several other social norms throughout its history, such as divorce, treatment of women, and slavery. So what they are looking at in particular is um, six different scripture passages that are sometimes, and I believe misinterpreted, but interpreted to say that um, uh, homosexuality is not what um, God has either designed or and or is against the teaching of scripture. And I believe very specifically that those um, six scriptures and um, that are found throughout both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament um, were written to people in a very specific context. And just as we have come in 2020 to very different understandings about slavery, and most of us would disagree with the Bible's words about slavery, such as, you know, slaves submit to your masters. We would, we would just, we abhor that today. Mm-hmm. Um, and the particular the United Methodist Church has decided to ordain women since 1956. And so we've understood the words of Paul about women being silent in churches to be something that was happening very specifically in that context, probably women gossiping in the churches. And um, so we have changed our uh, we've changed our minds about that. Uh, also divorce. And Jesus speaks very specifically about divorce, and we have come to an, an age and understanding now where sometimes that is actually what's best for a family. And while that's we still know that is a, a reason for grief, we support people who've been through divorce, we love people who've been through divorce, we ordain them, we allow them to become bishops. And um, that is a significant change that has happened in our church over time. Noling explained the reason behind the misinterpretation. Given the historical context of the Apostle Paul, first century norms have evolved exponentially. She said the church needs to read scripture with an understanding that historical context in which it was written. For me, this is also another piece of scripture that has been misinterpreted because the original context wasn't understood. The Apostle Paul, for instance, would have no concept of a a same-sex relationship 
that was loving and on equal footing. Most of what he knew was situations where um, Roman soldiers were, and, and sometimes just Romans in general, were inappro- inappropriately having sex with boys and minors. And um, he could never have envisioned a relationship that was loving on equal footing and where people were trying to seek Christ and, and be Christians, followers of Jesus, and be in a same-sex relationship. And mm-hmm. so that would have been so far from his radar that it would have been impossible for him to write something that would bless that. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is important is that we wrestle with those really hard scriptures, but that we also identify the other um, cultural changes we have had over time as a church, because I believe God's word is living and active and is living and active and relevant to every generation. Norling said the United Methodist Church has a negative history pertaining to race relations. In the South, the Methodist Church was split over slave ownership in 1844. According to the United Methodist website, the separation ended in 1939 with a, quote, Unifaction Conference establishing the racial segregation central jurisdiction as a compromise for those who were willing to exchange their pro-slavery attitude for pro-racial segregation practice, end quote. Noling said this protocol calls for a recognition of history. The other piece that's important about the protocol is a recognition of our um, difficult past with race relations and the racism that has been part of our denomination. And there's a $39 million um, uh, gift within that protocol that goes to um, churches that have been harmed by racism, mostly local churches that are ethnic minority churches. And this is funds that will go to them, churches of color, um, in order to be able to do some of the ministries they have been denied throughout the years because of racism in our church. Mm-hmm. And this is all saying, I'm assuming, within the Methodist. It's all all within the Methodist denomination. So okay. when I say okay. our church, I'm talking specifically about the Methodist, Methodist denomination. Yeah, okay. not about other mm-hmm. denominations. Yeah. yeah. So the, and that money, too, and the separation is all within the United Methodist Church. Noling said she is hopeful that the resolution pertaining to the LGBTQIA community will pass in May. The first United Methodist Church in Bloomington will likely remain in the progressive wing of the church. I don't know if the protocol will pass. I hope some version of it does because I think it's time for us to be able to bless each other and go some different directions. Uh, I also know that um, there are different size United Methodist churches in Bloomington and different churches that are meeting different needs of of different people in this community. And there, the with the way the protocol is arranged, there may be some who choose to leave and become that part of that more conservative denomination. And I think there definitely will be throughout the state of Indiana. I'm not sure what will happen in Bloomington. And I also really think very strongly that where I'm serving right here at First United Methodist Church, that we will more than likely stay part of the broader body that's called the United Methodist Church, if if it includes centrists and progressives. I also think that if there are other groups that break off, let's say centrists and progressives break off from each other, mm-hmm. that we'll have a lot of prayerful discerning to do because I don't know where uh, First United Methodist will land. And mm-hmm. I want First Methodist to be a place that is um, open and loving and firming of all people, celebrating all people no matter where they're from. And I want to be also able to hold intention that we have both conservative Um, moderate and progressive voices here and I want to love each other and be in community but also continue to state that we are open to everyone. She wanted to clarify that the split is not yet a done deal. In her view 
both national and local media headlines were not entirely correct. I think it's really important to note um, some of the national media headlines were just way off when the story broke. And I, I said this in a conversation with somebody from the IDS and the HT too, and that mm -hmm. is, this is not a done deal. So the protocol is a proposal, mm -hmm. and um, there will be many more proposals that are before us. It's the one that has risen to the top because of who was involved and the professional mediator and the hard work that was done around that table. But this, the general conference, and I will, I will be a delegate in May, um, is, is the place that has the final voice and the final say. Noling said the decision will come in May 2020 at a general conference session in Minneapolis. For WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman.